Welcome, everybody, and thanks for joining us on episode 58 of Health Talk with Dr. Kell. I'm Nikki Sterner, and today we're bringing one of our favorite guests back on the show, Ted Hahn, to discuss synthetic versus real food supplements. Dr. Kell interviewed Ted back in podcast 17, where they discussed inflammation and the autoimmune response. Ted is a clinical nutritionist who found his passion in helping doctors and their practices understand how to implement nutrition to improve the health of their patients on a long-term basis. As a clinical nutritionist, his favorite simple rule is, if it doesn't have fins, feathers, fur, or grow out of the earth, don't eat it. We're learning that the same rule applies for supplements. Today on the show, we discuss strength versus potency, and why the body utilizes whole food better than synthetic. You might be thinking you're taking a large dose of vitamin C, but how much of that is your body able to use? Are you using a daily collagen supplement? We discuss what collagen is and how the body makes it. Are you on blood thinners? You might find our discussion noteworthy. Sit back and enjoy. Hi everybody and welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Kell. I'm Dr. Kell and today we have Ted from Standard Process. We've had him on the show a couple of times before, and we're really happy to have him back. How are you doing today, Ted? Good. It's nice to be back. Thanks for coming. Hope things are going well. We're sitting here in sunny Southern California, Oceanside, California, and the day is in the 70s. And uh, No better place to be, right, Ted? Not if you like perfect weather. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so today, uh, we've asked Ted back. We've been doing a series on what is disease. And then we talked, uh, we've done a few podcasts now from everything from heart disease to cancer to the third leading cause of death, which is medical error. And uh, today we're talking about what is the difference between synthetic and whole food supplements. You know, we're all about natural health here and, and talking about and sharing with the public uh, what is good for your health naturally and how uh, our life uh, under Western medicine is so destructive and causing all the health problems today. Well, guess what? The uh, medical community, the drug companies, got into the supplement industry many years ago. And when they did that, what happened, Ted? Well, you had a lot of um, compounds that were called vitamins and minerals and nutritional supplements that were classified as what would most accurately be called nutraceuticals. So you recognize the pseudicals part of that as being related to pharmaceuticals. Nutraceuticals would be nutrients that are synthesized or, or created or drawn from things you might not necessarily consider putting on your dinner or breakfast plate. Why is that bad? Well, it's, it's not necessarily bad. It's just not your best choice. So if I, if I could tell a, a quick little story about how I came to discern the difference between the two. I used to work for another doctor's line of supplements. It's very, very popular, uh, which will go unnamed. And I Go ahead and name them, Tim. We're okay with it. No, not, not doing that. Okay. Because, because they make some good stuff, too. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. But uh, <clears throat> they're based in Southern California. Anyway, um, when I went to their pr uh, production facilities, they, they took me in where they actually made all their stuff. And it was this big giant warehouse with a bunch of tabling machinery in it and everything else. And there was row after row of blue plastic 55-gallon drums full of white crystalline powder. And they all looked pretty much the same. Some were bright white like snow, some were kind of off-white, some were beige. And so as I'm walking on this tour and they're pointing out these barrels of white powder I said well coming to the first one what's this I said well that's that's vitamin B that's our B complex I said oh walking to the next barrel which looked just about identical I said well what is this one I said well that's that's vitamin C and on down the line and I thought you know it's kind of interesting to me that they're all made out of white crystalline powder and they all look the same. I said, well, you know, that's what vitamins look like before we process them into tablets and capsules and such. I said, okay. You know, being somewhat naive at the time, I just figured, hey, that's the way it is. You know, I'm glad I got to see what they look like before their tablets and capsules. So then I'm going to fast forward uh, a decade or so and I got invited to the Standard Process farm because Standard Process was considering hiring me. And they wanted me to see what I was getting into before I signed on the dotted line. And so we drove up in a bus 
to their farm, which was a very interesting concept to me because I didn't see a farm at the other facility. And what was interesting is you get off the bus and you can actually smell the dirt. This is uh, their organic farms in Palmyra, Wisconsin. And it just has that, that neat, dark, loamy smell that really good black moist soil has, you know, the, the stuff that's disappearing all over the United States. And I walked into a beet field and there was a tractor out there pulling beets out of the ground, most of which were almost the size of cantaloupes and putting with a conveyor belt on a truck. So we watched that for a while and then we went back to the manufacturing facility where they were crushing these beets in the pulp and extracting the juice from them and then spin drying the juice so it becomes a powder and compressing that into tablets and capsules. And that, that was how they made uh, one of their most popular products called Beta Food. And it was made from beets that I saw growing in the ground a very short few hours before and I thought wow I really need to reconsider the way I look at supplementation and that kind of was an awakening for me and drew a very clear distinction between what a nutraceutical was and what a whole food supplement was and you know standard process has been doing this since 1929 before whole food was ever even a, a popular term and their ideology is that good supplements start with good crops and good crops start with good soil. So most of these supplements are, um, well, I should say all of them, are plant, animal, mineral based. And so for the plant aspects of it, which makes up the dominant part of most of the supplements, they grow these on their organic farm in Palmyra, Wisconsin, out in the middle of nowhere, you know, west of Madison and they convert those plants into various different products that contain the target amounts of nutrients they're trying to provide. And I thought, wow, that's, that's the kind of supplementation I want to take, whether I work for them or not. And what was funny is, you know, once I, I talked to uh, the man that became my boss eventually, I said, look, dude, you gotta hire me now, I can't work anywhere else, at least if I'm gonna sell supplements because this, this was a sea change for me. And from that day on, um, I just immersed myself into a study of what whole food nutrition actually was versus nutraceutical nutrition. And so in a nutshell, by way of illustration, that's the difference between the two major types of supplements. Uh, what I'm looking at it from and trying to get our listeners to better understand is why does it matter when it comes to, to your body and your health? Why can't I just throw in the synthetic vitamin A or the vitamin B or or the vitamin C you know you read all these articles well you need vitamin A because vitamin A helps your eyes whatever it might be they make these claims but as more research comes out we realize that synthetic vitamins are missing things it would be much better if they had you know you eat the whole carrot instead of the vitamin A maybe you could go into that a little bit yeah and that's that's a perfect analogy what you just said you know and when you ask why don't we just take the synthetic stuff, you know, my, my quick answer is because, well, we're not cyborgs, we're, <laughs> we're biological organisms. And you put living food into a living being. So let's, let's talk about animals for a second. All animals on this planet from, you know, microbiota to jellyfish to birds of prey to elephants to whatever, they all eat living food. And for most creatures, living food means either eating other living creatures or eating living plants. Humans are unique in that they're a lot like vultures. We eat dead stuff. <laughs> we don't want to think about that. That's okay because it's freshly dead in most cases. And, are and we really we, scavengers then? Yeah, we are. We are. And, you know, really, we should be eating at, at least a large portion of our calories each day from living food. And so since no one's going to go out there and uh, chase down a gazelle if they could find one. Um, living food for most human beings is plants. And so a significant part of our diet should be plant matter because it is enzymatically active, it's biologically alive, and it has a much quicker response in human physiology than something that's synthetic. So I, I wanted to find that term real quick because when I say synthetic supplements, I don't mean they're you know, made out of polymers or plastic or, or some inorganic substance that the body can't metabolize at all. That's not what I mean. 
it's it's not like you're eating a sandwich and the cellophane that it's wrapped in. Um, but some of them are, aren't they? Aren't they just synthesized in a lab? Yes, and that's that's what synthetic means. It doesn't mean it's it's. Are a, they taken? Are the majority taken from? Like the vitamin A, is that extracted from a carrot, or is it actually synthesized? Have they taken the beta carotene and created it in the lab? Well, it's a matter of what type of substrate has the greatest amount of what is chemically identified as vitamin A in it. So, to draw an illustration, most companies uh, that make supplements make a vitamin B supplement or a vitamin B complex. And so, if you're a company that's trying to make vitamin B, you want to do two things. You want to find a source that's readily available and that's cheap and make it from that. Because if it's really cheap, then your production costs are, are held down. Maybe go into that a little bit. So you say cheap. Let's talk about the sources of, say, a company who's producing the synthetic version to what a whole food supplement company might do. Sure. Well, if you want um, B vitamins, if you're looking at a, a whole food source, you're looking at legumes, you're looking at liver, you're looking at uh, different grains, many of which people can't eat now because their digestive systems are all messed up, but that's another subject. If you're looking at a synthetic Walmart-style jumbo jar of B-complex supplements. White pills. <laughs> yeah. That's generally made, and this is going to really stun some people, from derivatives of coal tar. It is a byproduct of using coal for energy. And there's a whole little cash cow on the side of companies that produce coal or use coal for energy to derive coal tar from the coal and in turn derive B vitamins from the coal tar. And someone might say, well, you know, why does coal tar have vitamin B in it? All the chemist is looking for is the signature of, of that particular compound. And if it's abundantly available in what is actually a waste product, it's dirt cheap, and they can derive and synthesize in a lab vitamin B from coal tar, make it for pennies, and sell it for dollars. And there's a lot of profit in that. But the question is, can your body use it? And the answer is, kind of. <laughs> and the reason we say kind of is because it is chemically vitamin B, but in nature, for example, things that contain vitamin B, like um, let's say wheat grains, I know wheat is questionable the, the, to many people. The Bible but, talks about wheat being the staff of life, Ted. What happened? Uh, we hybridized it and fertilized it with chemicals and <laughs> destroyed a lot of its nutritional value because we're idiots, but <laughs> outside of that, if you're looking at healthy sources of vegetable-based vitamin B, it has two things that are necessary for the body to utilize it. One is synergists, which are compounds that exist around the vitamin B matrix that make it easier to, to metabolize, and cofactors, which essentially do the same thing. They make it, in other words, a complete product. So you might look at a, a synthetic vitamin B as, we'll use the adjective, naked. It doesn't have the cofactors and synergists that exist in nature that make it easier and more efficient for the body to metabolize it and put it to use. So an even better example of this is vitamin C, for example. The FDA in, its, in all of its wisdom has determined that vitamin C is ascorbic acid and ascorbic acid is vitamin C. Well, like, like the Bs, the B complex, there is a C complex. There's not just one vitamin C and the C complex is made up of flavones, isoflavones, bioflavonoids, those types of things. And the antioxidant coating on the outside of that vitamin C matrix to keep it from being destroyed in the plants that it exists in is ascorbic acid. To isolate ascorbic acid from the vitamin C complex and call that vitamin C is kind of like taking four tires and an axle, putting them all together and calling it a car. It's not a car. It's the suspension in the tires. The rest of the car is missing. So when you take just ascorbic acid or any other synthetic compound that is, that is called a vitamin, very often the body will say, okay, I recognize components of this, but the synergists and cofactors that help me use it are missing. So 
I think I'll just pull them out of the tissues and assemble something that's more complete so I can actually use it because as we all know there's no such thing as an ascorbic acid tree or a thiamine tree. Vitamins come in compounds and they're surrounded by these synergies and cofactors that make them assimilable in human and animal physiology. So like I said earlier we're live living organisms it only makes sense that we eat or I should say supplement ourselves with vitamins that come from live living organisms or organisms that were alive and living a very short time ago. And that's kind of the gist of the whole food philosophy. When we're going to take supplements, our objective is to supply things that our diet may be lacking. But if you're not supplementing with whole food nutrients, then you're making the body work harder to assimilate what you're taking and some of these compounds can even cause deficiency syndromes in the the other things that are taken from the body to make that synthetic compound complete. So again what the chemist is looking for is that single chemical compound that is named as vitamin B12 or vitamin C or vitamin D or whatever the case may be and they will look to extract that chemical compound from whatever substrate they can get it from, the cheaper the better, and simply call that a vitamin. But it is very different from vitamins that exist naturally in food. Well, once again, what I take from that is it's all about the money in many cases. They're not really caring about or even getting a full understanding why it's important to have something with everything in it. You want the whole carrot. You just don't want the vitamin A. You want to eat the orange. You just don't want to take the vitamin C. I mean, ideally, in, a, in an ideal world, we would just consume the right things knowing that these vegetables and these fruits and these types of, of meats are good for us and healthy for us. And, you know, we come with a formula knowing, hey, we eat this much of this. You know, we always recommend to our patients eat twice as many vegetables. As standard process always says, too, eat twice as many vegetables as you do fruits. And... Uh, you know, the good meats, I always tell people, eat fish. Fish, to me, is, is the best meat out there. You know, adding a little bit of the other things now and then, there's good things there, too. But I always encourage people to focus on eating good fish. Here's another one. I always like the story about calcium. Mm. Maybe talk about calcium for a minute. <laughs> yes, good old calcium. Um, calcium is the classic example. It's important to us, right? Calcium is an extremely it important mineral. It is, and people think, oh, you know, I need calcium for my teeth and my bones. You need calcium for so many different things, it's hard to count them all. And one of the primary things you need it for, believe it or not, is your immune system function. We've been talking We're, lately a lot about inflammation and yeah. how it leads to all these diseases that we talk about uh, and that we experience, especially in the Western diet. Yeah, so. and so when we're, when we're taking calcium... If you look on the labels, and it's very important to become a label reader because that will tell you what you're actually taking. Most calcium is, is in a form called calcium carbonate. And what are those sources? Maybe mention briefly the, the sources that typically companies use to create that calcium supplement and what, what a standard processor, what are other whole uh, food supplement companies use? Typical companies will make calcium carbonate out of limestone, which is essentially chalk. Uh, and things like oyster shells or other mollusk shells because they, they are high in calcium or more or less made of calcium and so it's a cheap, readily available source and that's and what they make calcium, calcium out of. Carbonate? Calcium carbonate. Now there's there's lots of different forms of calcium. Logically it sounds like a not a bad idea. Right, right. I mean on the face of it it sounds great but <laughs> we're not made to eat chalk or limestone. Um, we're not made to eat ground-up oyster shells. So the problem with calcium carbonate is your body has a very hard time metabolizing it. It's not necessarily going to have an easy time putting it into the skeletal structure and it's not going to have an easy time getting it through the cell membranes into the tissues because it's a very large molecule and it's very hard to metabolize and you need tons of hydrochloric acid in the stomach to even make it bioavailable. So what often happens is calcium carbonate, because it, it can't get into the tissues where it needs to go, whether that's muscle tissue or bone tissue, whatever, it ends up in the bloodstream. And as the blood flows through the tubules in the kidneys, as all the blood does, 
it leaves deposits of calcium in those tubules and that's how you end up getting kidney stones. That's not the only way or reason you get them, but it is one, it is one of the primary ones. And the first thing our doctors ask patients that have kidney stones is, are you taking an over-the-counter calcium supplement that you buy at Costco or Walmart or wherever? And invariably the answer is almost always, yes, I'm, I'm of the age where I need to supplement in calcium to take care of my, my bones. And unfortunately, probably 90 to 95% of that calcium is never getting to their bones. And it could be <laughs> causing things like bone spurs, kidney stones, uh, calcium deposits in their joints, which decreases their mobility. You know, all these negative consequences that no one equates to calcium because they think calcium is good for me. And it's increasing inflammation in the body generally, isn't it? It can, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you have, basically, if you have sand going through your bloodstream and depositing <laughs> in your tissues, yeah, you're going to have some it, inflammation. It, you know, oftentimes when the inflammatory process kicks in, if it's not fighting a, or, or helping with an injury or, or helping with an infection, it's recognizing substances that are foreign to it and saying, wait a minute, this isn't quite the thing that it should exist here in my system and then it's trying to get rid of it and yeah. get it out of the body. So is this the case maybe with the, with the poorly uh, or the wrong type of calcium? It is, it is, that's exactly the case. It's also the case with um, different forms of synthesized vitamin B. Everyone has the experience where they take a vitamin B supplement and their urine in short order is the color of a freshly painted school bus. And it makes you think, wow, something's good's happening. Right, but as my eight-year-old son once said, if it's in my pee, it's not in me. <laughs> Kids are brilliant like sometimes. <laughs> and it's, it's very true. So what happened was one of two things happened, or maybe both, both of these two things happened. Number one is the body couldn't use it because it's in a state that it doesn't recognize as being assimilable. So it eliminates it. Number two is there's way too much of it. And so the body's getting rid of the excess. People look at vitamins and they look at the milligram strength and they say, well, the stronger it is, you know, the better it is for you. It's, a, you know, the Texas mentality. <laughs> I can eat a 10-ounce ribeye. How big can you eat? Now, we're not trying to offend any Texans here. We're but, not. I like but, Texans. But, but you guys know that you like everything big. Right. <laughs> so, patients go into a store and they pick up a, a bottle of vitamin C, which is nothing but ascorbic acid. And they go, wow, this is a thousand milligrams of vitamin C. I'll only need to take one a day. This is great. No, it's not great. It's terrible because your body can't metabolize it and it's going to eliminate it as an excess compound that it doesn't really have any use for. And there's research articles now out there and, and more and more research being done that high levels of ascorbic acid actually can cause vascular damage. Yeah. Am I correct? Yeah, and diarrhea, a lot of things. So we may wonder, well, how do we get to the point where we slap these nutrients with such high milligram doses. Why does it have to be a thousand milligrams? Why does that have to be 1500 milligrams or 1200 milligrams or whatever the case may be? When in food, vitamins exist in high single digit or low double digit numbers. Why this gigantic discrepancy? Well, remember for thousands and thousands of years, we ate foods without exogenous synthetic vitamins that came around in the late 1940s, early 1950s. Up until then, you know, we did fine eating food because we did eat food, real food. But the point I'm making is in the lab, they test to see what level of milligrams actually has a physiologic effect on the tissues. And so they start with 100 milligrams. Nope, no effect. Okay, let's try 200 milligrams. Nope, no effect. Okay. Let's try 500 milligrams. Oh, okay, there's a physiologic response in a rat, in a rabbit, <laughs> in a cow. So not only is the physiology not necessarily completely compatible with what would happen in a human, but you have to supply these massive amounts of milligrams because it's in a synthesized state without the synergists and the cofactors. Therefore, you need much more to have a physiologic effect on the body than you do if you're getting your vitamin C from peas or an orange or you know sweet peppers. In a serving of peppers or an orange or some peas you're probably getting you know between 
25 to 45 milligrams of vitamin C. And people would, who discern that would go, oh, well, that's nothing. I, I need a lot more. I need to take a vitamin. No, you don't need a lot more. That's what you need. I've had patients say that to me too, that you know, they, they look at the bottle and go, wow, this doesn't have very much of that in it. What's the, what's the deal? Is, is this, yeah, what, what's wrong? They're confused. So like, because they're used to being told they need to take really large quantities of those synthetic vitamins. Well, and the reason they're being told that is because that's what had a physiologic effect in the labs. So if you're going to make a vitamin C, it's got to be at least 500 to 1,000 milligrams to have a physiologic effect if all you're dealing with is ascorbic acid. A few years ago that somebody says, oh, I, Doc, I've been taking the vitamin C and I'm getting diarrhea. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, don't take so much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Back it Back off it until off the diarrhea stops, and then you'll know you're you're good. Well, well, why is the why are you getting diarrhea to begin with? The body's saying, "I don't like this stuff. Let's get rid of it." When you get diarrhea, the body's trying to get rid of something that's unhealthy in it. Exactly. So, classic example of of how this works in the real world is, you know, let's talk about scurvy for a second, and everyone's like, "Oh, that's a, that's a pirate disease from the 1800s." No, it's alive and well today, only it's called gingivitis today. So what scurvy is, is a breakdown of the collagen structure in our tissues. You can think of collagen as you know, rebar and concrete. If you ever see a freeway bridge being built, it's, it's lots of concrete with these iron bars in it. That's rebar. That's similar to what collagen is like. Well, well, everybody's trying to sell these collagen. Oh yeah, I'm going to go, right? go off, these, go off on that with collagen. Yeah, yeah, talk about that too. I will. So everyone, uh, not everyone, a lot of people are familiar with the fact that British sailors used to be called limeys. And uh, the reason they were called limeys is because when sailors were at sea for a long time, their teeth started falling out. And the British figured out, hey, that is a vitamin C deficiency. So they loaded their ships with oranges and limes and lemons, whatever they could get on there. And that's what they ate to keep their teeth from falling out because they were smart enough to recognize, even back then, that there was a connection between vitamin C and keeping your teeth in your head. <laughs> so now if we fast forward to the, the current time, let's say you had gingivitis and you have some loose teeth. You know, your dentist is not going to call that scurvy. He's going to call it gingivitis. But what it is, technically, is a breakdown of collagen tissue in the gums, which means the gums can't grip the roots of the teeth and the teeth become loose. That is technically scurvy. So if the dentist is smart enough to recognize the connection between vitamin C and scurvy, he's going to tell his patient, you need vitamin C or your teeth are going to fall out. So the patient goes to Walmart or wherever and buys a big jug of vitamin C and takes it and absolutely nothing happens. The reason nothing happens is because ascorbic acid has never done anything to affect scurvy one way or the other. And so they go take the vitamins, nothing happens. They go, oh, vitamins don't work. This vitamin C doesn't work for this. That's a, that's a fallacy. It's nonsense. It does work. But what the part of it that works is the bioflavonoids, the isoflavones, and, and those components. That's what the body uses to synthesize collagen in its structure throughout the whole body, not just the gums. So you need whole food vitamin C, which is why in all the tests using ascorbic acid, it didn't work. But... Back in the 1800s, British sailors who ate limes and oranges and lemons, their teeth stayed in their head. You need the whole complex. The body can't use single ingredients for everything you think it's good for. So companies like Standard Process that create a vitamin C complex, what's it called, a Standard Process? Cataplex C. So why is that different? Tell, you know, well, we're, we're not just promoting Standard Process. We, we want people to educate themselves and and sure. find the best things, but tell, tell us what, well, and what's the difference there? The difference is, is it's not an ascorbic acid product. Going back to our good friend, the FDA, they stipulated that if you're going to make a vitamin C product, it has to have ascorbic acid in it because ascorbic acid is vitamin C and vitamin C is ascorbic acid. Wrong. Nevertheless, when we make vitamin C, we use either buckwheat or pea vine. And the reason we use those two vegetables is because they have high concentrations of the whole vitamin C matrix. And if patients look at a bottle of Cataplex C, they may see a milligram dosage of vitamin C listed at two to five milligrams. And they go, what? why should I even take this? It's almost negligible. Well, what's labeled is the naturally occurring ascorbic acid that's in the vitamin C matrix, which is a minority compared to the rest of the matrix. So. 
The FDA won't let us label the flavones, the isoflavones, and the bioflavonoids, which is the part that really work. They only let us label the ascorbic acid content, which is, you know, two to five milligrams typically per tablet. And people look at that and go, well, this isn't going to work. It's not nearly strong enough. Yeah, it will. People don't understand the difference between strength and potency. Strength is the amount of milligrams in the product. Potency is how biologically active it is once it's in your body. It's kind of like comparing uh, a six-pack of beer to a shot of grain alcohol. <laughs> the grain alcohol is much more potent. So it has a, a quicker, faster physiological effect with a much smaller amount. And that's you know, kind of a, a lousy analogy, but you can look at vitamins like that. They, they may not have the concentrations you think you need, but the parts that actually work, there's more than enough to get the job done physiologically, which is why going back to food, vitamin content of a typical serving of a food with a target nutrient in it is, like I say, you know, high single digits, low double digits. And the body uses every single milligram of it. With a 1500 milligram vitamin C, 60-70% of that isn't even going to get used, but you have to have that huge milligram number to, like I said, bring about a physiological effect, and it's not even necessarily a good one. Yeah, what's really happening in the body with the synthetic forms of vitamin C is very little. It's not accomplishing the task, like you said, that uh, you want it to do. So, yeah. and the body really says that the body doesn't need that much vitamin C if it's getting the combination of important uh, nutrients to utilize with that small amount. Right. And so let's let's talk about anti-aging for a second. We're still on the subject of synthetic versus whole food vitamins. Well, let's talk about anti-aging because that's huge. Anti-aging is collagen. Collagen is anti-aging. Okay. The industry is built around the fallacy that if you take collagen, your body will use that collagen to fill in the wrinkles in your face, get rid of the crepey skin on the back of your arms, tighten everything up, and make you look 20 years younger. So there is a massive proliferation of uh, collagen drinks, collagen protein supplements, pre-digested collagen, collagen peptides, and it goes on and on and on and on. So to draw an analogy, taking collagen protein to get rid of your wrinkles, firm up your gum tissue, or make you look younger is like going into a barber shop and grabbing a handful of hair off the floor and eating it so you have shiny, luxuriant hair. <laughs> Does anyone do that? No! Oh, but you just gave me an idea, Ted. <laughs> I'm going to go eat some hair. Got a barber shop next door. <laughs> so here's why that doesn't work. Collagen is a protein, and proteins are made up of chains of amino acids. And different types of proteins have different orders in that chain of amino acids. They're shaped differently, in other words. So collagen is a very hard protein to break down. But at the end of the day, it's just a string of amino acids, just like you would find in a steak or in a piece of fish or, or whatever. And so what the body does is it breaks up those chains of amino acids into what are called di and tripeptides, uh, double bonds of amino acids, triple bonds of amino acids. And then they become, how do I say, unassigned. In other words, the body can use, it disassembles those proteins and then puts them back together in a different way according to physiologic need. So let's say you've got wrinkly skin and your teeth are loose, but to your body the main priority is you have ulcerative colitis and it needs some protein to rebuild the inside of the gut wall. It's going to take those collagen proteins, chop them all up into little pieces, and reassemble them so it can on a priority level basis, go to fix the ulcerations in the gut first because from your metabolism's perspective, that's more important. So you take all this collagen protein, which you pay outlandish amounts of money for, and you look in the mirror every morning and you're still just as ugly and wrinkly. But your gut feels better, head scratcher. So the body just used the protein where it needed to use it. How does the body make collagen? It synthesizes it from vitamin C, not ascorbic acid, whole matrix vitamin C, whole food vitamin C. So if you want to build up your joints, your soft tissues, your fascia, your ligaments, your gums, your skin, you take or eat whole food vitamin C. You know, raise your consumption of um, citrus fruits. Yeah, take Cataplex C, take Ceruta Plus, which is a bioflavonoid concentrate. And these things will address those issues and you'll have all the collagen you need because you're giving the body the building, the building blocks to make its own. You mentioned earlier that uh, buckwheat 
uh, peas. Um, what are some other things? You know, citrus. Here in California, we have lots of citrus. But it, what if you live in uh, Arkansas? <laughs> There's not citrus in Arkansas? <laughs> um, you can hunt down a cow and uh, cut out the adrenal glands and eat the adrenal glands of a cow. <laughs> I'm joking, of course, but why do I say that? Well, the adrenals, for instance, the vitamins they use to operate are vitamin C and the B complex. So our organs concentrate the vitamins they need for their functionality. So the point I'm making is there's lots of different sources of vitamin C. Um, you could take a product called Drenamin, which is our adrenal support product, and it's primarily you know, whole food vitamin B, whole food vitamin C, which the adrenals utilize immediately and it aids in their functionality. So most of our sources of vitamin C are are plant-based. Uh, even the adrenals themselves will draw vitamin C from the plants we eat to support their own physiology. So um, peppers, obviously citrus fruits, um, green leafy vegetables. There's different amounts of vitamin C in almost all the vegetable matter we eat, but some are, you know, superstars what, 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 of vitamin what if C. I'm on, what if I'm on blood thinners, Ted? Um, I can't have the green leafies anymore. Well, the easy answer is get on a second-generation blood thinner that is not made from rat poison like Coumadin, and then you can eat green vegetables without without compromising the effectiveness of the medication. Um, real side, quick side note: warfarin, which is you know the chemical compound that is named Coumadin, is actually deactivated by vitamin K, which we found in finding green leafy vegetables, but particularly things like spinach, kale, Brussels sprouts, stuff like that. Vitamin K deactivates it, and you know the way the doctors translate that is, if you eat dark green vegetables, you're going to have a blood clot. The body doesn't see vitamin K and go, whoa, look, vitamin K, let's build a blood clot right now. It doesn't work that way. If there's a propensity for the patient to build clots for whatever reason, if you eat a lot of vegetables with vitamin K in them, it deactivates Coumadin. So the way they got around this is they started making what we call second generation anticoagulants like Eliquis and uh, Lovenox and others that you know aren't deactivated by vitamin K so you can still get your vegetables. So if you absolutely had to be on blood, thin blood thinners, and I understand that's a necessity in certain circumstances, fine. Just don't get on Coumadin. It's a hundred years old. It was originally made as rat poison. And it sounds like I'm joking, but I'm really not. If you look at Rat poison, it says right there on the label, warfarin. They don't call it Coumadin because you go, wait, Grandpa's taking this. <laughs> you, know, you don't want that revelation out. But it's one and the same thing. The concentration is obviously different so that in rats, it basically melts their vascular system and they bleed out internally and that's how it works. Uh, in humans, you use a correspondingly lesser dose according to body weight and it prevents the blood from uh, clotting and creating embolisms and strokes and things of that nature. Natural ways to thin the blood? If you're, if you're having clotting issues, excessive is. clotting issues? I am actually someone who has clotting issues. I'm what's referred to medically as a pathological healer. In other words, if I get cut or injured, my body really accelerates the healing process. Not as much as Wolverine, but almost. <laughs> <laughs> and I was say, you kind of look like him. <laughs> What happens is I have an overreaction and I'll develop a blood clot. Like I had knee surgery, had a blood clot. Gut surgery, had a blood clot. So what I take to keep that under control is a product called Ceruta Plus, which is the vitamin C bioflavonoid concentrate. And the bioflavonoids have an effect on what's called the protein folding process that starts to signal chemistry in the blood to aggregate the cells and form a clot. And there's lots of studies from Harvard Medical School on this. They know this. And they're working now to try to create bioflavonoid-based anticoagulants rather than you know, using the ones they use now. And what's interesting is nature-based anticoagulants don't stop the blood from clotting superficially. So in other words, if you're on Lovenox or Coumadin or Eliquis and you get in a car accident and you get cut up bad, the race is to get you to the hospital and patch you up before you bleed out because your blood's not going to clot. Natural anticoagulants like you find in the bioflavonoid and isoflavone families, they will stop the big blood clots from forming in your calf or your thigh or elsewhere that turn into pulmonary embolisms or strokes or heart attacks, but 
they don't stop the clotting mechanism completely. So if you're in a car accident or you know you get in a fight with a lion, <laughs> you're not you're not going to bleed out. Your blood will still clot, but you're not going to form the deep vein deep vein thromboses in your calves or your thighs. So nature always does it a better way, and it's more balanced. Now I'm not I'm not saying all drugs are bad. I'm not saying get off your blood thinners. I'm just saying think about it analytically and see if there's possibly a better way you can do it if that's something you need to be on. What uh, Ceruta Plus, is that, what's in it? What source it is, is primarily buckwheat. Okay. And so the, the, the key component, and we don't isolate it and concentrate it, we just juice enough buckwheat to bring the concentration of the target nutrients to where we want them to be without extracting anything or adding anything. The, the primary nutrient is a bioflavonoid called rutin. And so you can actually Google rutin studies on anticoagulant therapy and you're going to get tons of medical literature from Harvard, from Yale medical schools, etc., etc., that are going to show you how well rutin works to prevent deep, deep vein thromboses in the thighs and calves. And it's specific to that. It doesn't stop the clotting all over the body. It just stops the big clots that kill you. And there's so much medical information on this, you know, the question that naturally comes up is, well, why isn't everybody making blood thinners out of rutin or buckwheat? Uh, money? Yeah, it always no. goes back to the money, right? They, 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 yeah. they haven't figured out a way to patent that yet. Well, <coughs> this country's printing it like it, <laughs> like that, but that's another subject. <laughs> um, you know, it's... It's what I like to call toxic capitalism. I don't have a problem with capitalism, but I have a problem with excessive greed and profit at all costs. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of this stuff is. It's not about your best interest as a human being, what's going to make you healthiest. It's about maybe a little bit of that, but mostly profit. You yeah. know? And it doesn't cost a whole lot for us to grow a bunch of buckwheat and convert it into Ceruta Plus or Cataplex C. Um, we don't have a separate manufacturing company or third-party manufacturing company. We do it all ourselves. And standard process products are reasonably priced compared to a lot of other ones simply because we do it all ourselves. We grow the crops from which our products are derived. And it's a you know, family-based organization that's been on these farms in Wisconsin since 1929. We're good at it. You know, Great. So that's what we do. So in wrapping things up, Ted, do you have any sure. comment, final comments you want to share with our listeners? Yeah. Um, I might have said this on previous podcasts, but I had an old friend who lost a bunch of weight and looked great, so much to the point that I was stunned at the transformation he made. And I said, how did you do this? And he said, easy. I ate a whole food diet. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. What does whole food mean to you, sir? <laughs> was my question. And he said, very simply. If it didn't grow out of the earth or have fins, feathers, or fur, I didn't eat it. And that's really good advice because whole foods should be recognizable as previously have been in, being in one of those three categories. Grew out of the earth, and it's still recognizable as such. Had fins, you know, was a fish. Or fur, it was a mammal that we eat like, you know, beef, whatever. And it's, it's really that simple, but because of the lack of convenience and prep time that is associated with eating raw and or whole foods, most people find it very hard to make the time to do that. But that's going to contribute more to our health and longevity than anything else we do. And if we eat that way and exercise on top of it, you know, we get nice and old with a minimum of problems and you know, we're healthier, we feel better, we're emotionally better, we're more productive, we're happier. We're live biological organisms. We should be putting live biological foods into our bodies. That's the way we're made. That's the way we're designed to assimilate nutrients, vitamins, minerals, etc., etc., from the food that grows on this earth that we should be eating. But you know, in our modern times, it's hard to convince people to do that. So, next best thing, as I like to say, is you know we take supplements because they're convenient. Great, I get that, I do it myself, I understand, we're busy people. But if you're going to take supplements to augment what's missing in your diet because you're not eating whole foods all the time, because it can be a pain in the butt, fine, take supplements. But take supplements that are made from whole food. 
so that what you're giving the body is actually something it can use that solves more problems instead of creating more problems. Couldn't have said it any better way. Thanks, Ted. Sure. Hey, uh, we appreciate you coming on the, on the show. Ted Hahn, he works for Standard Process. And uh, as you know, we talk about Standard Process a lot, mainly because they are whole food supplements, one of the few companies out there. So when you're going to look for supplements, look for those things that uh, are not made synthetically. Overall, improve your diet. Stop being concerned about constantly uh, grabbing the easiest thing because in the long run your quality of life will decline and your quantity as well. But we're more concerned about the quality, right? We never know what's going to take us in this life. Nobody gets to stay here forever, no matter what. But you want to be healthy, at least to your happiness. That makes life more joyful. That's what we're concerned about. I want to be happy. You want to be happy. So we're giving you ways to help improve your happiness in life. And uh, Ted's contributing to that. And we're, if, <laughs> if we had a crowd here and could clap, I think I think we'd do that right now. Oh, thank you. But thanks for coming that. on the show, Ted. And we'll uh, have you back again. And uh, again, send if you've got questions for Ted or for us, uh, you know where to send them. Health Talk with Dr. Kell at gmail.com. Uh, I'd like to end by saying you can go to our... Uh, our site connected with Standard Process, holistichealth.standardprocess.com to get supplements. They're discounted there or what you might find them anywhere on the internet. You can also connect with us through email and we can do those evaluations via phone uh, or Zoom or other ways if you don't live here in Oceanside, California. But don't just, uh, because of what we talked about today, just don't go, oh wow, I've got gingivitis, I'm going to go get uh, uh, cataplex C. Now you can do that and I'm sure it will help you. But as always, we recommend you see a holistic healthcare provider that is knowledgeable, uh, whether chiropractor, uh, naturopath, uh, acupuncturist, uh, uh, a, a good nutritionist, etc. Seek those people out because you may have a combination of problems that uh, need evaluating and, and just don't go out and decide because you read an article that here, I'll go take this. All right. Any last words beyond that, Ted? Yeah, this is really important. Um it's a natural propensity for a lot of us to go get whatever we think we need off Amazon. And you can find standard process there. You can find lots of medical lines on Amazon. But let me explain something that's very important. Number one, you're not getting the expertise from your clinician on Amazon that you're going to get if you go see the doctor. The other thing, and this is where it's really going to make a difference with you, is that Amazon, by contract, must sell all the standard process products that they're allowed to sell in agreement with standard process for 25 to 30 percent over the doctor price. So you are not going to save money by getting anything off Amazon, even if the shipping's free. Go to your doctor, you're going to get it cheaper and you're going, like, that's a bad word, you're going to get it at a less expensive rate and you're also going to get the expertise that goes along with it and that is absolutely necessary. So Amazon is not the answer for everything go to your doctor instead. It'll save you money and you'll walk away smarter than you were before you walked in. Thanks for that, Ted, and that is so true. I might also add that I discovered recently that uh, the number one selling products on Amazon are nutritional supplements. Yeah. And uh, it, it goes to tell you that people are concerned about their health. They're becoming more educated. They want to know. They want to learn. They want to do things that are beneficial. Why? Because they're not feeling well. And as you get older, you know, when you're in your teens and 20s, on average, most people, they can get away with eating all the crap and still feel okay. It's, <laughs> I sure you, did. you start hitting the, the late 20s, 30s, 40s, and beyond, and you start going, oh, oh crap, I'm not... I'm not so good anymore. I, I'm getting aches and pains. I'm I, I ha having issues with different organs. I'm developing different disorders. And then all of a sudden they go, hey, we got to change this and we got to make up for it and we got to feel better. Well, if you'd started younger, and if you're listening and you are younger, get into it now in your 20s, in your teens. You know, my kids, they all eat so much better because we're constantly discussing with them the importance of eating right. And I have no doubt when they hit their 30s, 40s, and 50s and beyond, they're not going to have the problems of, of typical people in, at that age. No, they won't. And, uh, you know, I look at my mom. My mom is going to be 94 this year. No canes, no walkers ate a good whole food diet all her life, was raised on a farm when she was a kid in Georgia. And, you know, just what she did as a kid and the way she ate for the first 20 years of her life, that has had such a profound effect. She's um, <laughs> outlived all her relatives.
Yeah, and I might say my mother's 89, has not eaten well, has smoked for many years in her life, uh, but at 89, her mind's going, her body's going, she's not living a happy, healthy life. She is enduring the misery, and that's no way to live, in my opinion. I, I want my mom to stay around as long as possible, obviously, but for me, I want to be healthy and happy, and if I reach a point where I'm physically unable to, to be that way and I'm in constant pain, most people are going to disagree with me, but I'm glad they now have the pills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I get what you mean. Because uh, um, from a religious perspective, for most religions, they, they say taking your life is, is wrong, but I don't think God intended us to live in a state of misery, misery constantly either. So no. anyway, thanks again, Ted, for coming on the show. We'll have you back again, and have a wonderful day, everybody. Thanks for listening. For questions or comments, please email us at healthtalkwithdrkell at gmail.com. That's D-R-K-E-L-L at gmail.com. You'll find the lowest prices on standard process whole food supplements at holistichealth.standardprocess.com. As always, we recommend you seek nutritional advice from a qualified healthcare professional before starting a supplement program. And... For natural and organic health and hygiene products, see our sponsor's website at oceanbaynaturals.com. While we make every effort to broadcast correct information, we are still learning. We will double check all facts, but realize that medicine is a constantly changing science and art. One doctor may have a different way of doing things from another. We are simply presenting our views on how to live a healthy lifestyle that will be as evidence-based as possible. We welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. We take no money from drug or device companies. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall Dr. Kel Fullerton or any guests or any contributors to the podcast or any employees, associates, or affiliates of Dr. Kel Fullerton be responsible for damages arising from use of this podcast. This blog should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis of expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on this podcast. Our website, blog, and podcasts are all HIPAA compliant. While you may give your email address to subscribe to the website posts or to post information on the website blog, we will never share your email address or contact information with any third parties without your explicit permission. The contents of Health Talk with Dr. Kell podcast and the show notes are all copyrighted. All blog posts, podcasts, and show notes that are distributed to the public for free can be redistributed via hard copy or electronic copy for free only if Health Talk with Dr. Kell is included as the acknowledged author within the actual media that is being redistributed. The Health Talk with Dr. Kell podcast is a production of the Orange Stack with executive producers Dr. Kell Fullerton and Eric Hammond and host Nikki Sterling.